to another edition of the Unicorns Podcast. This is a podcast series featuring business leaders, motivators, innovators, and general go-getters. Today on the Unicorns, we're featuring the company Straker Translations. It's on the ASX with the code STG. Straker is one of the world's largest translation service providers, and it works with some very big brands, including Microsoft and IBM. Straker has just reported some great results with revenue climbing strongly, and it's looking good for 2023. Grant Straker is the founder and CEO, and he joins me now. Grant, welcome back to the Unicorns. Oh, hi, Justin. Yeah, it's uh, great, to, great to be back. Okay, so firstly, to the recent results, what were the highlights? So I think the the main part of our recent results is is, is around the growth that we're seeing. Certainly, H one was a um, yeah. You know, we're in New Zealand financial year end, so March thirty one year end. So it was our half year results that, that we put out, which takes us up to the end of September. And um, look, we, we just had re- really solid growth driven. Partly, uh, well, well, sort of, uh, in, in part by um, uh, organic growth and in part by acquisitions. So that's been something that investors have often, you know, wanted to see from us. So it was great that we actually delivered uh, in line with with you know what the market was expecting. So twenty twenty two more broadly has been a very difficult year, I suppose, right across the ASX and globally. So what, what's made Straker stand out? Well, we certainly had a very good Q1, I think. The thing about our industry is is that as you get all these global sort of fluctuations happening and um, and nobody's certain about like where, where things are going or what the market's doing, is that, is that none of the pro- projects get put on hold yes. uh, until a point where a customer goes, actually, no, I've got to do it now. But, you know, when, when there's a bit of uncertainty, they go, oh, hold on, we're just going to, you know, we're going to delay something. But they don't actually yeah. stop stop it. And then, and, and then things sort of all kick in. So in Q1, we saw that happen. Um, mm. and, and kick in and drive some really good results. Now, look, things are uncertain again at the moment, and and picking, you know, what will happen over the next six months is is, is a guessing game, <laughs> like, like trying to pick who's going to win the, the World Cup, I think. Um, so yeah, so so, but but that's what happens, and so it just it just drives these fluctuations. So yeah, that, that that's certainly been a, a big driver, and off the back of the organic revenue that we got through uh, an increase in large corporate customers with the likes of IBM, and then we uh, also acquired a company um, uh, in in January um, that, that's also gone very well. And what company was that? So it's a company called IDEST, which is a Belgium language service provider that specialises in um, servicing large international institutions. So the likes of um, European Commission, the European Union, the, the United Nations, those sorts of large intergovernmental kind of international organisations, I guess you call them. Mm. And that's a very hard market to get into organically, but it's a very big one. And what what was um, Grant? What was appealing about that acquisition when you when you looked at it and and made the assessment? So one, they have long term contracts with the likes of um, the EU and the UN. Mm-hmm. So these are locked in, you know, long term multi year contracts. Um, and what they were, they were a specialist in you know just two or three languages, French, sort of Dutch, German type languages, but. Um, a lot of these uh, contracts are often 15, 20 language contracts. And so by mixing their 
contracts and their their their, um, their relationships and uh, long term uh, relationships actually with the, with the likes of those intergovernmental organisations. We were able to come in and win tenders with twenty languages or fifteen. I think mm. we won one recently with fifteen. So yeah, so that that's the appeal to, to grow that market. So in terms of next year's outlook for twenty twenty three, what um, guidance, if anything, have you provided, or what's what's your best guess on uh, on how things are tracking for next year? Look, so we haven't changed our guidance for this financial year. We've said you know, we're going to get twenty uh, percent growth on on last year because you know, the forecasts we have are strong. How things play out across you know the rest of this financial year, well, we have to wait and see because it is an uncertain um, environment. But we haven't changed it. We, we, we're you know confident in, in in the numbers that we're seeing. Yeah, so so that's that takes us up for our financial year, which is obviously up, up to the end of March. But uh, beyond that I guess the big difference that we've and we did put this out in our results is that we've actually been able to get a whole bunch of consolidation gains across mm-hmm. our business and that's enabled us to drop our opex quite considerably so tell tell us about that we have a bunch of functions across the group that as we as we have grown in the last sort of couple of years and had you know the best part of a hundred percent growth We've taken on board a load of functions like training functions who have helped onboard all of the vendors from IBM and uh, you know a whole bunch of other roles that, that as we've grown and got there, we don't need anymore because we've embedded all of this technology and all of this process. Um, and, and, and in a similar vein, we had some um, you know expensive resources in other markets that we could actually um, move into either New Zealand or the Philippines and drop the cost base but not lose any of the skill set. So, so it does mean uh, you know, a, a drop in our opex of you know, three to four million dollars annualised, and so that's quite considerable. And it'll it'll mean that as we exit Q four, uh, we'll have a good, profitable, and hopefully sort of free cash flow profile. As you look ahead, Grant, are there any particular geographical areas of the world that are of particular interest to your business? Yeah, I just came back from the United States last week and had a, a sort of team workshops and and, and um, sort of engagement with, with my team over there. And, and certainly the US is, is, is a market that is going strongly. Um, we, we, we do have a lot of interest up in Japan, actually. Uh, we okay. have an office up there and we, we see that part of the world um, career in Japan has been a you know, a, a pretty big untapped market for the, the likes of our technology. So uh, we would like to expand our footprint there. Um, look, and, and there are some opportunities, I think, you know, up, up in Europe as well, although uh, I think it's in a pretty steady state up there, mm-hmm. I'd say Europe at the moment with uh, all, the, all the various issues going on. What about the size and scale of Straker translations now? What sort of numbers do you have in terms of the the business, how many staff you've got working for you, where you're based. Give us give us a sense of the the entire operation. Yeah, so um, in terms of staff numbers, we're probably about 230 now. We were probably sort of 260 or something maybe, um, uh, you know, 12 months ago or so as we were scaling up and doing stuff and before we started to get all the consolidation benefits because mm-hmm. ultimately we do buy companies and, and there are consolidation of options course. and that's one of the mm. um, main 
you know, um, ways that we can derive um, good contribution out of these entities. Um, so uh, that, that's some people in terms of offices. We've got people in New Zealand. We've got uh, people in Australia, the Philippines. We, we, we outsource a lot of our sort of admin functions up there, so some back office stuff um, where we've got a team, you know, finance and the likes. Um, uh, Japan, we have a you know, sales team up there. Um, across Europe, we've got offices in Spain, in Belgium, in Germany, uh, in Ireland, and um, we have some sales uh, sales office in the UK. So, uh, and then obviously in New Zealand, we we have um, an office in Auckland, and then in Wellington, and, and a couple of regional offices. Probably we want to call an office these days because everybody works remotely. Of course, <laughs> do you get any sleep grant? That's, that's that's a lot of uh, different time zones to wrap your head around. Yeah, well, again, I forgot to mention the US because we do have the US office as well, and we've got offices in Utah and in Philadelphia. So, um, yeah, look, I mean, um, it was interesting. Uh, the East Coast is always a challenge if you're doing a short trip, which is w- where I met the team last week. But, um, yeah, I do. I mean, one of the interesting facts I found out when I was in Philadelphia, actually, I was going to go to the gym and then somebody in the office said, well, why don't you go and run the Rocky Steps? I was like... Oh, yes. I I didn't even realise that Rocky was from Philadelphia, but it was about two cars running down the river from my hotel to the Rocky Steps. So, yeah. um, yeah, yeah. So I did that last week. That was that was. Uh, and did was... you get up and you know do a little bit of shadow boxing at the top of the steps? Well, I did. I had some raw eggs before I left, and you know <laughs> just uh, did a heap of one arm push ups and uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, up yeah. Wearing some <laughs> yeah. sweatpants, they're about forty years old. Yeah, it was it was very cold though, so it did look the part because I did have to have a beanie and and a, and a, a hoodie mm. and, and long pants. Yeah, so, as long uh, as you weren't you know, punching raw meat in the you know in the locker. You're okay. No, I couldn't. I couldn't find one of those. Uh, yeah, one of the butcheries here, unfortunately. No. So I mentioned in the introduction um, some of the clients that Striker's working with. How have those client relationships developed over the years? Look, really well. So I mean, if I just come back to you, know, what is it that we you know separates us or makes us different, and 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 why do customers want to work with us? So. The way that this industry is changing is is probably similar to the way maybe that cloud accounting changed. So, um, you know, you went from people having an accounting system or using a local regional, you know, a local accountant who might do your work and have a heap of spreadsheets or, um, you know, bought a, a QuickBooks or whatever it was and, and sort of, you know, did the books that way to the cloud accounting scenario where suddenly you know you're integrated with the tax department you're integrated with all your banks you're integrated with your vendors you're integrated with your suppliers and the whole way in which a small business could be run completely changed or or a larger one for that fact right so this is what's happening in 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 the translation market and i I guess so so what we're part of is is really the, the language cloud so we're moving our customers into what i'd call the language cloud which is um, it's not a tool, you know, it's not one tool like a translation management system. It's not a, um, a language, just a language service provider. It's, it's, a, it's a company that can, you know, and a solutions provider like us, it can provide integration into all of their apps. It has, you know, 100 languages on tap that has all of the data assets that you need to retrain the machine translation engines. It has thousands of human vendors that they can work with. And mm. so this notion of a, a language cloud is what really appealed to the likes of IBM, mm. where they switched out smaller, 
you know, and again, if I just use the analogy, they, they had 20 small accounting firms around the world who were doing lots of work regionally and they moved to one bigger system. And so that's the appeal for these large corporates with the type of technology and solutions that we offer. Yep. Um, yeah, so, so yeah, so the likes of engagements we have are with the likes of IBM where we're working with the technology and we're driving stuff. Um, they, they actually, we've built now, Slack integration um, got asked. Could we? Could you know? Could you manage translation projects through Slack? So that's and actually, that's not about saying that you're going to type something in Slack and just you know see it in real time. It's saying, I don't know. I've I've got a connector that connects into one of my content systems. Uh, rather than having to log into our sort of customer dashboard portal, which is yes. fine, it has all the information. Could they just do it and? And Slack seals information and manage things, and approve jobs and and everything else. Now, this is a sort of system that we use with our HR, for example, because people have had enough of working in different platforms. We've all got to log into them. We don't know what the password was. We, you know, yeah, they really work. Yeah. You know, and, and so people just go, okay, I'm in Slack every day, or I'm in Microsoft Teams every day. Can I just do everything from that environment? So uh, IBM um, have just gone live with our Slack um, Slack tools, and I, I did get a message yesterday. They said they've just started to accept the first round of jobs and manage things through that Slack process. Um, and, and so, again, if you look at this language cloud um, concept, what's really happening there is it's also another interface into that cloud, right? It's, it's a simple one that customers can work with. Um, and it's one where we, you know, where suddenly if you're in a Microsoft Teams environment, you're, you're like the default app for translations in there, right? So some department that's, you know, trying to figure out where do I go or what do I do, suddenly they know that there's this default app that they just click on. The it's billing's all set it's, up. It appears in your own language. Yeah. And so we're, um, so yeah, so so that's how we engage. And then, we, as I say, we we. We automate and we and we solve all these problems to to, to sort of bring localization of um, you know just about everything a large organization or a medium sized organization will do um, you know simplified and made easy and um, you know much more cost effective and better value for them. And you're working with Microsoft, I note as well. How's um, how's that going? It's going really well. So that was come off the back of me. Um, going on a trade mission with our Prime Minister, um, Jacinda Ardern, to the US and meeting Brad Smith, who's uh, the president of Microsoft, um, having a chat with him about how we're trying to do some work with Indigenous languages and, and Māori in particular, and we wanted to build a news portal and and and, um, and do it in Microsoft Teams because a lot of schools use Teams and it would be a mm-hmm. way that, you know, they could translate stuff. So... Um, yeah, so we're working on a on a joint project with them that's uh, well underway, and that should be um, you know we're, we're getting advances out of that every day. But I'd say in the next three to four months that will be something that that we can push out live, and and um, you know we could possibly apply to some other indigenous languages. So it's it's great to have a partnership with them. Um, and again, if you come back to uh, uh, workplace super apps like um, Slack and Teams, going to be the way that people engage with translation providers and not an email and not otherwise i think they will um so you know opens up some big opportunities for us so in terms uh, grant of the competitive landscape as it exists at the moment what's it like in the in the translation game how many uh, how many of the big players are there 
Well, uh, you know, there's, 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 you know, a top 100, I guess, and you could come up against any one of those in, in, in pitches. There's a top 10 who are, you know, sort of quite large, and then there's, um, but so the largest is a billion, probably down to about 500 million in revenue, and then, and then there's, you know, we're in about the top 20 or 30, I think, um, okay. in terms of where we sit. So we're reasonably up there. Um, and yeah, so, so it's, it's, again, if you, if you look at it, the, the market's changing and how many of those are providing, you know, there's technology providers that, that are a bit like if I use that QuickBook analogy, you know, just selling a tool that people can use. Mm. There's um, language, regional language service providers and be like a sort of regional accounting firm that just, you know, somebody would use. But really, you know, the, the, the game that's going to change it here is are you a, you know, are you a language cloud provider and can you um, solve a whole range of problems and use the likes of machine learning to really advance and lower the cost for customers. Mm. Um, and this is where you can start to, you know, you don't really have competitors. Well, you know, I say that, we always got competitors, but they're a different type, right? There's a much smaller pool of people that can offer that. Um, yeah, and, and that's why we invest, you know, the best part of $10 million in R&D because we can see that the, the big slice of, of the the prize, if, you know, um, if, if we've bet this correctly, which, you know, a lot of indications that we have and, and things play out as, as we see the industry changing. And for those not familiar with the Straker Foundation story, how did the company begin? Um, so it began because we were building, um, my wife and I had founded a, a technology company and we'd built some um, technology for multilingual content management systems. And uh, we saw an opportunity when we looked at the size of the industry because, you know, the technology part of this industry at that time was sort of 10% of it. And then there was, you know, 30 billion at the time or whatever it was of, of services to um, use our technology as a way to win services work. So we made that transition in about 2010-11. Um, yeah, and, and we've continually grown and I think looked at it and gone, you know, machines will play more of a part, but humans are critical, automation is going to be critical, and, and now machine learning is is going to be a thing that really drives efficiencies for customers. So, yeah, that, that was sort of the founding story. So, it was, yeah, but making a big change about a decade ago. And how have you found it since then? Has it, has it's it been a lot of fun? <laughs> has it been, what, what have I done? What's, uh, the, what's yeah. the journey been like? Yeah, no, the journey has its moments. Um, <laughs> and, and it's always, I mean, our kids, are, you know, our oldest son's 17, our youngest son's 12, so they've been sort of well yes, truly involved right in this in the journey middle of it. As, yes. as, as we've gone through it. And so um, I think when they were, you know, younger and, I don't know, under 10 and all of them, you know, you could drag them around the world or you could, you know, we could do stuff and it was easy. They'd do as they're told and we'd get on with it as they get a bit older. You, you know, um, you, you, you deal with all the, all the teenage um, uh, dramas and that. But I think that they're, yeah, you know, it, it has been interesting because obviously, we, you know, as, as, a, as a couple that have been doing this and with the family, um, it's it's been a real trade off between all the great things that you get, but also all the time that we have to be away and all the time that you work. Mm. So um, yeah, it's a, it's it's a net positive, I would say. How are you? How's your shareholder base? The people that um, that have got shares in in Striker, how are they at the moment? Are they behaving? Are they agitating? <laughs> are they- well, I guess we've delivered. You know, we've delivered in terms of um, operationally what we've needed to do. Yes. Getting. You know, getting the market to 
to fully comprehend our story or our advantage mm. in the same way that they understand, you know, a hundred percent SaaS story, for example, has always had its you know had its challenges. But I think we're actually getting there now. We've got strong results. I think as we come into you know, the end, you know, the second half of this financial year, mm. certainly going into next financial year, we were in a, a, a profitable cash flow sort of free profile, which is, you know, we would certainly like to be. Um, Your balance sheet's in good shape? Yeah, no, balance sheet's fine. We've got $12 million odd in the bank. Um, and again, you know, we're forecasting profit for this year as well. Mm. So it's not like we won't, mm. you know, um, we're not. But we think with the changes we've made, you know, we, we could. Um, throw off, you know, a, a, a bit more, and um, we think investors like that. And so, at the moment, um, yeah, they, they, they get hopefully we'll just deliver the results and operationally, and then I, I think you know the, the market will follow us. So, uh, relative to others, you know, have we done okay? I think so. You know, we, we you know, it's 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 a, it's a it's a tide going out, and everybody's gone down a bit. Some of you know, um, really gone down, and, and some of us are sort of sitting there. As, as mm. best as we can. Mm. You may, you mentioned the tide there. I know I know you're very active on on the water. Do you do you find that um, that when you're in uh, you're you're on the high seas that it that it gives you uh, a chance to to think more clearly about the business to to come up with some good ideas. I don't think I think about anything on the high seas except not not, not sinking the boat. <laughs> watching, um, watching out for yeah. the shoreline. Yeah. 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 Well, there's no shoreline when I'm um, you're on the big the big ones. That's for sure. The big passages. But um, yeah, I mean, I think it just gives you a break and it, and, it, and it gives you another focus. Um, like like it's different now over Christmas. We'll go out in our boat and um, uh, you know I'm going to actually just go and get it this afternoon and bring it around in the in the bay for the kids to jump off. Uh, Finally, got some summer turned up in New Zealand, and and it um, yeah, it, it just gives you uh, you know a, a a really nice sort of perspective um, and and an enjoyable sort of way to to still do some work, but but mm. sort of you know be be sort of out of you know removed. I've actually got Starlink now, so around New Zealand in the summer, yes. we can work quite happily with high speed internet, no matter where we go. Is there, is um, it like is it is it a quality connection? It is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and so, um, yeah, and so it's not been, you know, it's not too bad on coastal New Zealand, but at least you can go to some of the outlying islands and, and still, yeah, okay. um, you know, still do Zoom stay calls. Still do, yeah, stay connected, yeah. do pretty much everything we need, need to do. I mean, it's a trade-off. Do you want to be connected or not? But, uh, um, yeah, that's one of the compromises of, of, of being busy is you can still do, you know, still get out in the sea and, and, still, uh, and still stay connected. So as 2022 comes to an end and we look ahead to – a new year, uh, what are your priorities? What's your focus for for the new year, Grant? And and, and a message, I suppose, to uh, your share, your shareholders who will be listening to this. Oh, look. So first and foremost, I think we you know we, we want to work really hard and deliver on on the sort of guidance numbers, and then also um, readjust the business so that it can throw off you know a bit more cash. Um, we, we think you know we're at a we've, we've done a lot of growth um, and and like all the time you know nothing nothing consumes your, your EBITDA like growth um, and, and and investors don't mind that because that's the trade off right but now yes. you know we've got some you know we're twice as big as we were a couple of years ago chucking off some 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 cash and um, some, some profit now would, would be really good going in as I said looking out into um, uh, the next financial year. Um, so, yeah, so, so getting that right, th- th- there's some big opportunities out there for us as the market changes. So, 
uh, again, just having this holistic language cloud technology out in the market that, that does everything from, you know, your Slack and your Teams right down to the advanced machine translation engines to all the integrations into the different apps and leveraging, you know, the IBM story around how we've solved, you know, um, and, and made considerable savings for them, I think, is something that we want to push out into the market. Um, so, so I think, yeah, so which really just comes down to running a really efficient business, driving um, new business, uh, organic new business through through the technology that, that we have developed, um, and then still looking at some M&A opportunities. So, so those three things, I think, are, are the big focus for us. Grant Straker, thank you very much for your time and all the very best in the future. Thank you. Thanks, Dustin. Nice to be here. Thank you.